Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 54, and we are completely summarizing Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. I've got Paul and Elliot joining me as always, and we have a special special guest, Nate. Uh, Nate, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Nate. Uh, I have read a lot of the Cosmere. Uh, I've read probably one book or story from each of Sanderson's worlds, and I'm very excited to dive in and talk about Warbreaker and what makes Warbreaker's magic system the best magic system. Okay. Uh, yeah. Old statement. I, I I don't agree, but we'll talk. We can talk about it here in a second. <laughs> uh, I, I have evidence. I have notes. Bring it. All right. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Paul. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I'm excited to have Nate on the show because he's our second note taker, as far as I remember being on the show. <laughs> Elliot is our resident note taker, um, and I'm excited to see someone here. Yeah, I gotta yeah. say, I'm I'm, I'm impressed uh, by Elliot's uh, note taking here. Uh, well done. Very, yeah, very impressive. Yeah, very impressive. My, my OCD comes out a little bit, pro- probably a little too much. Elliot, how are you? Besides your excessive note taking, lot lots of excessive note taking. I I have done okay. Confession time. I, I have not taken hardly any notes actually through Warbreaker, just because of the fact that we've been going so quickly. I just ah. straight up haven't had the time to take like the extensive notes that I take for like a, a words of radiance or, or way of Kings kind of thing. So I've been, I've been breaking myself of that, but actually I'm, I'm excited to get back into uh Oathbringer actually to, to, you know, pull my magnifying glass back out and put my detective hat on again and start to try and dive into some, into some of that. But I, I gotta say, I, I think I mentioned this last episode. I I've enjoyed our little jaunt into the, the Warbreaker realm. It's been, it's been a change of pace. It's been very different. Very different, not just the pace, but the story, the characters, the style, the the themes, all very different. But but it was a it was a it was a nice change. I agree. I agree. It was a nice change. We can go ahead and get started on our on our episode here. Elliot, I'm going to throw it right back at you um, to start us off. Can you give us the your overall score of of how you would rate this on you know like on a rating website of of books? Can you get, uh, take us through the plot, the characters, world building, theme, and point of view of of Warbreaker? Sure, sure. So with the the categories that you spelled out for us. First one being the the plot. I went ahead and scored Warbreaker as a seven out of ten on on plot. Uh, I I enjoyed it. I think the the store we got was was unique and it was it was engaging at times. Uh, there I think there were elements of the story that I didn't quite like uh, as much. I think it took a bit of a darker turn at times than than I enjoy uh, reading. It, it also delved into some things that weren't quite as, I don't know, interesting for me, the whole like political intrigue and stuff like that, but, but still a solid seven. It was, it was still very good. Still very good. 
uh, characters. Second one, uh, I actually gave it a seven out of ten again on on characters. There, there's some definitely some good characters in in these stories. We talked last week about Light Song quite a bit. I enjoyed uh, his character arc and his interactions with Laramar and the other the way that the characters really developed. I thought that was that was maybe a highlight of this book for me. Honestly, was our characters went on very big journeys. I I don't know how to how to describe that better than like the characters that where we first met them are very very different from the characters where we leave them by the end of the story. So that that arc of development I think was 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 good. Um, there were some characters, blue fingers, that weren't maybe as fleshed out as as they could have been. There were some characters that I didn't really like. I mean, like Denth. I mean, you're not supposed to like Denth. He's a villain, right? But right. he. There, there are a few things that bothered me about his his character and the rest of them. So, a few points off for characters, but still seven out of ten. World building in our the next category. There, world building. I went for I went for an eight out of ten. I think a lot of what Sanderson does well in the the Stormlight archives, he does well again here in that it's a very interesting uh, atmosphere. It's it's a very engaging people groups and religions and, and things like that. I, I do wish, and I, I think I critique Sanderson and, and Stormlight a little bit for this as well. I wish he would maybe flesh out some of like the scenery a little bit more. I wish I'm, I'm missing a bit of like some of that descriptive, like tell me what this world looks like. We get a lot of descriptions of what Halandrin, it, that's not the city, is it? What, it Tetelier Tetelier. is the city? Tetelier is like we get all you know descriptions of all the colors which is great we get we get descriptions of like the bay and the, it's surrounded by jungle but i i still felt like i was missing a little bit of like tell me what you know the, the characters are seeing in a in a scene by scene basis so a little more of that would have would have brought it to the top for me but uh, eight out of ten there theme this one i i took it to the lowest score i gave it a six out of ten i i liked the journeys that our characters went on i liked the, the the theme coming out of this as characters learning about themselves and learning that maybe they don't have the whole perspective or maybe they 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 think they believe one thing but when they when they see the way reality is that maybe challenges their beliefs a little bit and i i really like that exploration in this book um a, a lot of what i i think docked it for here was just the we didn't quite get the the epic like hero's journey, if you will. Um, there there wasn't there, there was much lots of graying between good and evil, and you weren't really sure who the good guys were. You weren't really sure who to root for. You sh- you weren't really quite sure what the story was telling you at times, and so that kind of knocks it down for a little bit for me on on the theme. But six out of ten. Last one point of view uh this one i always struggle on uh, a little bit but i went ahead and gave it an eight out of ten uh real similar to his writing style in the the other books uh, i thought that we've read uh stormlight archives and that he sanderson is very engaging his his writing is very interesting it hooks you in it makes you want to read more you're 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 learning a lot which is great he leaves a lot kind of unexplained which in this story i thought was fine actually i think coming into it knowing that it was a standalone book actually helps i I just kind of accepted from the page one that you know what there's going to be things that are not explained in this book and that's fine and so when there's stuff that's not explained i was fine with with that um but but yeah still Poor way to sum it up there, but eight out of ten point of view total, if I'm doing my math right, is uh, thirty six out of fifty. 
Cool. Thanks. The uh, the world building specifically, I wanted to touch on before I throw it to to Paul or Nate here, but the I always got a very good picture of Roshar whenever I'm reading a Stormlight book, especially the Way of Kings. He I think he takes a, a bit of time to describe you know the chasms and all that fun stuff, but when you're into Teller. He he talks about the color of the buildings a little bit, and the and you get a lot of seafood uh, vibes. Um, but that's kind of it. Like you know, there's you know there's a bay. You know the the town is big, but that's all you really get. Um, I I would have been a, a much bigger fan to know more about like the planet that we're on as opposed to um, you know the characters. But there's only so much room in the in the book. So very true. Uh, Nate, we'll go to you. Uh, just that that point on on world building. Um, I think Sanderson relies on our assumptions of like, oh, we know what a big city in a fantasy book looks like. Right. So it's just like it's one of those, and then our mind instantly fills in something, whatever that might be. He kind of relies on that, whether it's good or not, that's up to him. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, he kind of relies on that. Um, sorry for jumping in. Um, so uh, it's. Ellie did an excellent job of kind of summarizing my thoughts and our scores were remarkably similar um, all the way down to, I think I scored two points higher than he did. Okay. Total. Uh, I put in a little more points towards theme um, just because I thought um, while there wasn't a true overarching theme, um, there was good elements of the theme in each of the, our three kind of uh, viewpoint characters, uh, your series, your Vivenas and your, your light songs. They all had, natural journeys and Vivenna is my favorite character out of this book uh i'll spoil that for for our later discussion (laughs) um just because she travels the longest um or or travels the farthest uh from where she started to where she ended um i'm kind of jumping around here uh plot is fine um i liked how long it took uh i felt like it, it definitely took its time um kind of building up not only the falling in love story, but the also building up the resistance story uh, with Vivenna going and talking to not one group of, of uh, Illudrians, uh, but two. Um, I thought that was very interesting. Uh, characters, um, I really... So this is the second time I've read through this book, and I really grew to like pretty much everyone uh, on the second read. Because um, like the first time through a Sanderson book, you're just like, give me all of the secrets that you can. Give me all of that lore. Um, yeah. And then the second time I was able to kind of relax and kind of go, oh, I really like Light Song here. Um, uh, Larmar was great. And then Night Song, or not Night Song, Night Blood, uh, the sword, really kind of stood out to me. I was like, oh, I get Night Blood now. Um, so that was that was a good, good chance. Um, I think that's all of it. Uh, I would, I kind of organize my ratings, my personal ratings into tiers of like top tier, high tier, mid tier, and low tier. This is solidly mid-tier and you might be able to talk me into a high tier but i think i'm gonna put warbreaker as kind of mid-tier for sanderson um i would i won't reveal where everything else is um not until y'all get to it uh but warbreaker mid-tier good good enjoyable thing cool uh paul last thoughts yeah yeah so i i uh spoiler had the lowest overall uh rating of Warbreaker, one point below Trevor's, so I am still claiming that I had the lowest. Um, my highest 
kind of by a little bit was the plot. I, I really also, I'm hoping I didn't have these mixed up, but I think this is right. So the plot, like kind of what is supposed to happen when you're introduced, kind of the what's at hand, I thought was really cool. I, re- I really liked kind of the initial like in-world story, right? Um, I thought that was really cool. My complaint was more of what actually happened. I didn't enjoy it as much as I felt like I was set up to potentially enjoy it, I guess. Okay. Um, char- uh, I-, I had characters as a 6 out of 10. Um, and I feel like that's being a little bit mean. But at the same time, I think it's justified. So I think our characters were cool. And, I, and the reason I went with a 6 out of 10 was I felt almost a little let down at the end. Not with every character. I think some characters like Vasher. Uh, me personally, I thought it was really cool how he kind of, I don't know, had this big like ending moment and ended up being a super like one of the five scribes or whatever. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, our other characters, I guess I just, I was initially really invested. For example, with Siri. Siri, I think, is the most notable. I was really invested, and she was my favorite character for a really long time. And then, honestly, like at the end, I didn't really care. I was kind of upset with how it went at the end, and I was kind of over over Siri, um, personally. Um, for stuff, so for stuff kind of like that, it was kind of a six out of ten. Some of the characters were almost the opposite. Honestly, like throughout the beginning of our story, I didn't care that much for Light Song's part. At the end, I thought it was really great. Like I really loved how his his character and storyline like progressed and ended. Um, but just kind of an overall, I would give it six out of ten for characters. World building was a seven. I would give it a really like I would give it probably a nine for like what is actually there in the world, but what what lowered that rating for me was, and, and maybe this is kind of getting into point of view. I felt like if I didn't have Trevor here to explain things to me as we started, I wouldn't have gotten like breaths and stuff for a long time. Right. Uh, it is like a pretty complex system, and a lot of the stuff that happens is kind of like it was difficult for me to to grasp. I guess, so that's why I had it at a 7 out of 10. Um, theme was my lowest. I gave it a 5 out of 10, and that is... I don't know, go listen to any of our previous episodes. It was it was, it was like <laughs> with the char- what actually was happening with the characters, I just didn't like, I didn't enjoy, and it was kind of my biggest turnoff of, from this book of not liking it. Uh, like me and Trevor talked about, like, kind of the stuff of Syrians and Sebron. We, we kind of have different, like, thoughts on why we don't like that but that's a big example um and then also Bavinas, i honestly like i can't put my finger on why i wasn't that invested in Vivina's story like if you wrote it down and presented Vivina's story to me in like a, a paragraph brief like summary i would be like that sounds really cool i would really like that and i just didn't and i honestly don't know why I think it was because at the time I was invested in other plot lines that it kind of overshadowed, and then that other plot line didn't go in a way that I thought was very good. So it kind of, I don't know, I feel like it kind of killed two birds with one stone in a bad way. <laughs> um, so yes, that is my uh, theme. And then point of view is the six, the six out of ten, and... 
that was mostly because it's kind of complicated. Like, a lot of the stuff was kind of complicated. Um, it wasn't that bad. Honestly, putting it at a 6 out of 10 is a bit mean. I could probably put that at a 7. Um, because as far as storyline goes, like, direct storyline, not necessarily, like, world building, how you learn stuff external from the literal story like the actual like world building what you what you're learning about the world is kind of complex and was hard to understand on a read through but the like literal story of what's happening was was pretty good like was pretty direct um understanding like the actions that are literally happening i don't know if that was very clear made sense on point of view but i I gave it about a six out of ten so i was kind of mean to this book uh, with my overall being a 32 out of 50. Gotcha. So let me let me lead into my ratings with the with the caveat that Light Song carries this this book from like a a two star to a four star out of five for me. Like I I do I do enjoy reading this book. It's not my favorite Brandon Sanderson book by any means, but because Light Song is in the book, uh, it it picks up a lot of these ratings um, for me. So specifically plot, I give it a 6 out of 10, and that's because the setup is not that intriguing to me. Like, I enjoy where the story goes from chapter, I don't know, 15 towards the end of the book. Like, I enjoy once you get into the story, I enjoy it. But the setup specifically of Siri and Vivenna and Siri's the one going instead and you not knowing who the God King is yet, none of that is that intriguing to me um, personally. So, but once you get to know who Sebron is as a character um, and who Light Song is as a character, they kind of pick up the story, and I I enjoy it from there. But that's why plot's only a six out of ten because I don't think it starts very strong. Characters, eight out of ten. Um, I think one of Sanderson's greatest strengths is his depths of characters and how well he does with uh, characters starting from uh, point A and ending at at point B and what that has meant to you as the reader. Uh, Vivenna does a lot as you guys have said Vivenna goes a long way Light Song um, actually ends up where he started but he doesn't know where he started so that's a that's a cool dynamic and um, there's another that I'm blanking on at the moment I'll come back to world building I gave a 9 out of 10 and I think this is kind of lenient actually for this book because what is what is there for Nalthus, the planet Nalthus, is very intriguing to me. I'm a, I'm really interested in this world, but you don't get a lot of it. Like, if you were to if we were to spend more time here, I would be a big fan. And I'm really interested in the magic system that he sets up and the planet that he sets up here, but he doesn't give it a lot of time. He get like he takes he puts the characters and story um, uh, f- more front stage, which is appropriate for a book one um, if, it, if it's a series. But as a, a standalone book right now, I just want to spend more time there because it's really like breaths are really intriguing to me. And though like to tell her as a, as a city is really intriguing to me. I just want to spend more time there. 
Um, so I gave it a nine out of 10 because he really does hook you or he hooked me with, uh, with what he set up. You just don't get a lot of, uh, a lot of time as opposed to the characters in the spotlight. A uh, theme. So I was mean with this and there's a specific reason why. And I gave it a four out of 10 and that is because light song has a really, really cool journey and Vivenna is is fine too, but Siri and Sasebron, like I don't think Siri learned that much. I, I'll, I'm going to make that argument because she's. And I, I see you over there, Nate, and we could you can talk here in a second. But I'm going to make the argument that Siri didn't learn that much because she she learns to grow into a like a young woman, and um, that's like it, it's good. Uh, it's a good story, but there, I don't think she has a lesson to be learned besides judging, like besides not judging Sasebron before uh, she meets him. That's kind of her only uh, theme in, in my head, at least that's, that's the argument I'm going to make. You guys can disprove me here in a second. Uh, Let's put a pin in that and we'll come back to it. Okay. I have thoughts. (laughs) I'm glad to hear it. Uh, Point of view, uh, I did six out of ten. It's fine. He's he's Brandon Sanderson is good as always. It's it's a six out of ten because it's in comparison to Stormlight in my head. The first book I ever read by Brandon Sanderson was The Way of Kings, which is terribly unfair in my opinion. Which is what which is what I started you guys on. But I just bars too high. The Way of Kings is so good, and so you set the bar here, and then you go and read something that he published the year before he published the way of Kings. And I just, I just don't like the prose as much as um, in the way of Kings doesn't, it's not as intriguing to me. And it's not as that the narration is not as good. The character dialogue isn't as good in my opinion. Um, so I, I docked it there just because of his, his book that he publishes in 2010 is head and shoulders above this one that he publishes in 2009. So 33 out of 50, I did enjoy it a lot more my second read-through, which is, this is my second read-through, than I did my first one. Um, my first one I genuinely did not enjoy um, Warbreaker nearly as much as I hoped I would. But this time I, I did enjoy it, so. All right. Nate, I know you're, I know you're itching to talk about what I just, what I just brought up, so I'm going to throw it over to you. What did I, what did I say wrong? Uh, sorry, I'm scrolling through. Um, I asked my sister. Um, she also loves Sanderson. I turned her on. Um, so your influence is spreading. Uh, and I was just checking her notes to see if they applied with mine. But Siri's theme is about control. Uh, at the beginning of the story, she has no control at all. She doesn't have control over her life. She does not have control over her hair. She doesn't even have control over her body. Throughout the series of the book, she or throughout the book, um she realizes how much power that she can seize by just being herself. Um, And she eventually gets control of all of those. She gets control of her situation. She gets control over her body. She decides when she wants to sleep with her husband instead of being forced upon that. And at the end of the book, she also controls her hair as well. Just that simple little change is, and Sanderson showing us that she has gained control. Um, And it's, Every one of series decisions is about that, uh, especially once that that turn happens where she starts to really like 
um, her husband to Sesbron, um, where she is, how can I control the situation? How can I manipulate the priests? How can I, using blue fingers, what can I control? Um, and by the end of the book, I mean, I'd, I would trust her to, to rule a kingdom. Um, through the, the lessons she learned, yes, she's going to make mistakes, but she has changed. I don't think you put Siri at the beginning of the book in charge of a kingdom, but you definitely put Siri at the end of the book in charge. Um, I think she can rule with Susebron pretty well. Um, and she's also got a pretty good nose for fools and those who are trying to help her. Um, so she can sniff that out with her advisors. That's my thought on, on Siri. Uh, it's about control. I I think along your I I really like that that concept or that theme of control for for Siri. I, I hadn't thought about that in, in those type of words. So that actually helps me a lot kind of think about her arc there. But I think alongside of control, I might I might add, at least from from my read through it, kind of this maturity. I, I think she goes from a very immature to a much more mature character in the end. I think she learns how to think outside of just herself, you know, in, in the beginning, she's just very impulsive. She's just very, you know, don't tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I want to do kind of character. And then by the end, she realizes, oh, I can actually care about this man that I fell in love with. I can actually care about my people and my kingdom. And I realize that I can do something about that. And I, I like that as her character journey. I think she does go somewhere. I think I might defend Trevor's take a little bit. And just to say that I, I felt like that was just very predictable. It was very much her grow her growing up. She she's growing up from immature, doesn't have control, to realizing I can make a difference here, I can do something, taking control. Yes, it was a journey. I, I think I agree with Trevor that she's she's overshadowed by the other stories and that it's just not quite as interesting. It's like, okay, she's learning how to be an adult. Uh, back to our other characters who are, you know, having crises of identities and, you know, tr you know, trying to fight against their, their destiny and their destiny, you know, is, is chasing after them kind of things. So, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, my, my sister would, would be mad if I didn't point this out. Um, but she actually talked about destiny when I asked her, Hey, what are the themes of, of this book? She talked about destiny um, and mentioning that everyone is fighting against their destiny and eventually trying to, resolve that i mean light song his destiny of being a god he's just straight up doesn't care um same with vasher same with vavenna same with siri same with suzebron no one is really happy where they are um and they're they're trying to fight it and that the, the book is you know control and controlling your destiny so the, those are the themes and i feel like reading that now and, and talking this through i would bump up theme a little bit in my score uh back to a seven because i convinced myself so well <laughs> <laughs> I, I did, so the points you made were really great, and it did kind of make me think a little bit more about it. I, I didn't have a good way to summarize series story, as in, like, taking control there. Um, like I said, it, her, hers was my favorite, at least to begin with. For, I would say about half the book, or probably two-thirds, uh, I was really invested in series. I would say more for just, like, the mystery of, like, we know that there's something deeper behind this situation. Um, but not necessarily, I guess, like... I guess I wasn't interested in serious personal growth. I was interested in, like, 
I don't know, how's she going to get out of this? What's going to happen here? Who's behind all of this kind of thing? Um, but yeah, but those those points did make me think a lot. And like, those are, those are really good points. I could maybe maybe bump up a half point or so, but... <laughs> I'll take also. a half point. I, it's a big... I, I do got to say... I wonder if our our takes on this book here, the four of us, are are maybe a little bit skewed by the fact that we're all four dudes. And Nate, yep. I, I like the fact actually that you brought in some of your sister's thoughts, just because our our two main characters in this book are both females. And I think a lot of the the themes of this book do kind of revolve around more feminine journeys, I guess, if you will. And I was actually just remembering, even in the beginning of the the book, in the acknowledgments. I mean, who reads the acknowledgments, right? But, uh, but you, I, you I apparently did because I I remembered it. He he actually Brandon Sanderson credits his wife as having a large influence on this book and how she helped him, you know, develop some of the the ideas here. And I think he he says something along the lines of she gave him a lot more like feedback on this book than than she did on a lot of his his other books, and so. I I would actually I'd be very curious to get more 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 women's takes on the these books. So for all for all the for all the girls out there, get, tell us what you think and uh, weigh in on some of this because I I do wonder if you know we maybe some of us are are, are keying into like light song a little more because maybe that's storyline we we are just kind of drawn to a little bit. I, I know Nate, you said you you like Vivenna the most, so we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit later here. But I, I yeah. I wonder if we're all we're skewed a little bit on this just because we're all guys. No, I I think you're right, and and we talked about this right at the beginning. Of this is a different. This isn't your like. Okay, so the beginning of the way of kings opens up, and Kaladin's in like a slave wagon, right? And you know it's like this. I don't know. Hero's journey is gonna break out. He's gonna free. You know, do all this stuff, and this is this is very different. Like we said, it's more of like a political kind of book. It, you know, it's more, it's like different obstacles um, and stuff. And, you know, just because I guess they weren't as surface level, as interesting or as engaging maybe as the others, um, it doesn't mean this wasn't a good book. I really enjoyed it. Um, but yes, I, I really would love to hear kind of the other take there. Elliot, I'm glad you brought up the acknowledgement uh, for Warbreaker because for his non-Cosmere young adult sci-fi uh, books, uh, Skyward and Starsight are the two are the two books so far. There's another one coming out this fall. He he says in a couple interviews that it's it was really important for him to talk to fighter pilots uh, and and uh, flight engineers on how. Uh, like cockpits work and how cockpits are designed because in the in the book you follow this young star star pilot or her name is Spensa and he talks a lot about the physics of like forward motion and g like g force and a whole a bunch of stuff and he um and he talks about how important it was for him to talk to physicists and fighter pilots and like like he would present something, he would present a chapter to a physicist, and he would get it back. It's like, no, your character is definitely dead. They could not 
they're not survive that at all and then he would rewrite it and then give it to him and they're like well your character's now alive but it's really boring so how about you try this and so then he would rewrite it again and like so there's some very specific action sequences in that book that he says would not be anywhere near what they are on had he not talked to people who knew what they were talking about so um with you talking with you saying that he talked to his wife a lot about um these two female main characters that he has uh he does that a lot with a lot of his different books it's very cool uh yeah i love the idea of of putting in that amount of research into into something um where you're just like i have no idea does this sound cool <laughs> there's no you'd be dead uh <laughs> that's a great response yeah the the specific one that I was referencing for that one was he was trying to get his his character to do a specific maneuver uh, with uh, in an action scene, and what he learned is the human body can take way more g forces from the front and from the back, uh, more so than from the side. So if you hmm. are if you're pulling up in a in a in a plane, you can do that way faster than you can turning. So if you're turning, you're going to black out way faster than if you're pulling up and you're getting pushed backwards in your seat. And that's how cockpits are made is that to pull, to push you back into your seat as opposed to push you against the wall. Um, so that was that was the specific one that he was talking about there. Really interesting. So Nate, I know that you are, are excited to talk about the, the magic system. And yeah. uh, we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. But before we do that, there was a... Uh, uh, something I wanted to talk about a little bit, and that was just how heavily Sanderson leans into religion in this story. I actually thought that was a a really interesting aspect of this whole book, that religion is such a central focus of this whole story from start to finish. And that is very different from a lot of the fantasy that I've read. And I haven't read you know all the fantasy that's out there far from, but so many fantasy authors shy away from religion like very intentionally they they don't want to you know get into those types of discussions or or you know dabble into those waters but i feel like sanderson maybe even intentionally is is doing the exact opposite he's just embracing it full on like nope my story is going to be all about religion and in this story where we even have multiple different religions and and we're we're diving into you know how they work and is it you know right that Light Song is a god, and is it okay that the people worship him? Like just jumping right into all of those stuff, I think is I think is great. It's 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 a tough topic to kind of breach. You know, religion is something that can be really hard to to talk about sometimes, um, just in like real life. But but for Sanderson to just kind of embrace that awkwardness, if you will, just full force, actually really works in his favor. I think this this book actually is almost like a really good like gateway into like a religious discussion because it, you know, talks about so many of those kinds of things. What, what are some of your guys' thoughts on, on how heavily religion plays into this? Just real, well, just real quick before uh, somebody else, I, I just have a real, real quick thought that the way he decides to approach it is he constructs this completely fabricated religion, not necessarily based on any one, real world religion maybe pulled something from here or something from here and comes up with this completely unique religion and then deconstructs that as opposed to making it a clear right. critique on 
something we're familiar with. It's just a nice, appropriate and safe way to do it because you're right. He doesn't shy away from religion. In fact, specifically in this book, he leans into it. And moving forward in Stormlight, when we, um, when our characters start interacting with heralds who they've, um, who they've viewed as gods for so long, and they realize that these people are flawed too, they abandoned their friend in uh, in damnation all those years ago. These like these aren't the the deific gods we thought they were. That this isn't the only book that he does that in. He does it in his other series as well. So you're absolutely right that he doesn't shy away from this. Yeah, I was going to mention, um, I read Elantris as part of my, my magic system project. Um, and there's, he also leans into, wow, you can really see up my nose with this angle. I'm sorry, everybody. I'll hold it up. Like that. <laughs> um, he, well, no, that's too shaky. Okay. He really leans into, oh, I'll crouch down. Uh, he really leans into religion on that one as well. Uh, in fact, one of the, the three main characters of Elantris is a priest himself. Um, and he's kind of questioning his faith almost a little bit. Um, so it's if you liked that aspect in in this one, it's a pretty common theme uh, with with Sanderson. Uh, not so much in Mistborn, uh, but definitely Elantris. He kind of really kind of leans on this. Um, and Elantris is really interesting. Um, I know we're talking about Warbreaker, but I read this book, so you're going to hear about it. Uh, it's <laughs> almost a it's almost a first draft for Warbreaker uh, because Elantris, a lot of it is about um, gods that were powerful once but are no longer powerful um so he can he plays with a lot of rediscovering things and and these people that used to be gods something happened to them um and now warbreakers is what happens if the gods are still here um that's just just really interesting a, a, a nice clever thing uh thought on it yeah definitely and as i was as i was digging into like mentally that that train of thought on on religions and whatnot i i kind of started i actually noticed a couple themes perhaps in in this story that actually parallel with some some of our real world religious themes and two i think that jumped out to me the most uh correlated with with the bible actually and the first that came to mind was the story of esther in the in the bible which uh if you if you haven't uh, if you're not familiar with that story, it's it's simply another story of, of of a girl who is is married off to a king, and ultimately ends up, you know, saving her people through that relationship that she has with with the king, which I think kind of parallels you know Ciri's journey a little bit here, and that she's you know forcefully, if you will, married off to a, a king and ends up, you know, it's not really entirely her that that stops the war there are lots of other people involved and certainly not a one-for-one -one comparison at all but maybe a uh, an influence perhaps on it and then actually the the second one i i think i think this this is probably been noticed elsewhere and maybe de delved into into deeper i may have discovered where sanderson got the inspiration for this entire story and it actually comes from the book of the Bible, Ezekiel, in the Old Testament. In, in Ezekiel, there's a, a famous section of the Bible where uh, dry bones are, are brought back to life. And I wanted to read, actually, a couple verses from uh, Ezekiel chapter 37 for you guys. Let me know if something uh, stands out to you here. <clears throat> Again he said to me, 
Prophesy over these bones and say to them, You dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. Behold, I am going to make breath enter you so that you may come to life, and I will attach tendons to you and make flesh grow on you, cover you with skin and put breath into you so that you may come to life, and you will know that I am the Lord. I, I pulled that up because I thought of the whole like dry bones coming to life, and I thought of the the army of lifeless at the end, specifically the the army that Vasher brings with the the bones like encased in stone. So I looked up this verse, and, and when I was reading it, I I stopped and I was like, wait, what? Breath? The breath? Like, yeah. Hang on yeah. a second. Is <laughs> is this like the the genesis of this whole? story in that system it it may not be at all this may be a complete coincidence but just reading that verse it was like wow that is that is eerily similar to to the story that we just uh that we just read here that is pretty remarkable i and I, I wouldn't have caught that but like like that that's alarmingly similar whenever you said you were going to be like okay i found the motivation and stuff i was like, okay like dry bones coming to life like really cool comparison but specifically with like the breath of God, like bring him to life. Like that was, that's really awesome and uh, super cool comparison there. And and I don't want any of the any of the Christians or Mormons or anybody out there thinking I'm a heretic. I don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not yeah. saying this is the same story. <laughs> I'm not saying that uh, that 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 Warbreaker is you know Brandon Brandon Sanderson's version of of this story in Ezekiel. Uh, all I'm saying is is some similarities here. Maybe maybe some inspiration or or perhaps just uh, some parallels, some some religious you know ideas, perhaps uh, kind of kind of paralleling here. I just I thought that was interesting. Speaking of speaking of breaths, Nate, do you want to do you want to take the floor for a bit? Let's do this. Okay, so um, before I claim that Warbreaker. I'm going to slouch down again so you don't. the top of my head is not cut off. Before I claim that Warbreaker is the best magic system, let me uh, lay out some of the other magic systems. Um, but uh, to bring it down to a thesis, the reason that Warbreaker has the best magic system is because one simple idea, anyone can use magic. And any soul in this system can be powerful. Um, so... Other magic systems, we've got Stormlight in uh, Stormlight Archive, obviously, formed by the Knight's Radiance. Uh, magic in this story is mostly dormant, kind of coming back. Uh, it's only available to a few, and you have to, like, speak words, and you have to be a good person or, or part of the Knight's Radiant in order to unlock a lot of this. Um, uh, there's some lovely benefits with Stormlight, um, and you, you also get a Spren, which is kind of fun. Uh, you, you, it's a really good... Um, narrative concern as well is, is talking to the spren uh and i read a little bit of oathbringer before um I, I got told i would be here um and you meet some more spren um like converse with other spren which is really interesting sorry for that spoiler uh then we've got mistborn um where we have alamancers and i can't ferrochemists thank you uh i would not have gotten that um magic is in that world is uh, depend on metals and metals that you ingest and then you kind of pull from that. Um, and that one is quite interesting as well, but the potential for magic is limited by the supply of the metals. Uh, now Sanderson 
weaves that into the narrative as well with the um there's a, a main part of the first book at least is about um mining a, a certain rare metal um so the the stock of that metal is hoarded and corrupted um by that and then his other kind of major magic system is elantris um which involves writing in the air and you compose written word or written symbols and then you can do magic from that um the kind of bummer thing about that is and i've already explained um is elantris is in a state of decay and it's really kind of bringing everything back to life so magic does not figure into the story at all until the last 15, 10% of the book. Um, so it's really kind of unexplored. Now, I have not read The Emperor's Soul, which is inside Arcanum Unbound, so I don't know how much of that magic is. Highly recommend. There. It's definitely, definitely good. Okay. It's, it's on the list, believe me. Um, but, uh, as I said, Warbreaker magic. Uh, it's the best um, because it brings beauty into the world. Not only does it enhance you, but it's aesthetically pleasing. Um, to, to look at. Uh, and it's also a very clever way of delineating who has magic and who doesn't is the, um, is the, the breath uh, and the heightening that you get. Um, it's also very concrete rules. I don't know what the heck is going on with a lot of the Knights Radiant. Um, and I know that Sanderson knows, but he's not telling us right now because he has eight more books <laughs> to do so. Um, in, in this way, Warbreaker is kind of helped by being a solo book that he has to get all of this stuff kind of out um, in for you to understand. Um, uh, with the, the other stories, I feel like I didn't quite get the magic as quick. With this breath, I was like, boom, I'm in, instantly there. Everyone has one. You control other things with it. That's really cool. Um, everyone has a bit of magic, and an Awakener can come from anywhere. And this is one of – and this is my personal opinion, but my favorite tropes are always um, – Anyone can be powerful. Anyone can be Spider-Man. I much prefer that to the Destiny storylines. Um, for me, that's that's not as exciting. Um, if you're Harry Potter and you're the chosen one, there's not a whole lot of like leeway with that. But like, if you're Miles Morales and you get bit by a spider, then like, you got it and you have to deal with this power. Um, this magic requires sacrifice. If you reach the tenth heightening, that's 10,000 people that you have stolen something from them, either willingly or unwillingly, but you hold control over that. Um, and any magic that you, even if you die, which we, the, that Denth um, dies and he loses all of that, that magic, that's tragic um, that he went through all of that sacrifice and stealing all those people just for it to fade away. Uh, there's, there's something really kind of um, sad about that. Um, I, I love the concept of drab, of you can lose this magic and you will still have a normal life, but something is missing. There, there's something that's not quite there. Um, and you could, you could tie this back into um, like religion a little bit of just like it, it, in our own personal lives. If you don't have that, then there's something missing and you're going to be more irritable or you're going to be kind of grouchier. Um, I hadn't quite thought that point out. Don't, don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> lifeless. Um, they pose an ethical and moral dilemma, but are also very incredibly useful. Um, and he kind of brings this idea of slavery into this, of not only um, like people slavery, but like body slavery as well. And that's, that's kind of frightening and a little really morally bankrupt if you think about it. Um, like the character uh, is cool, which I'm blanking on the, the, the name of the lifeless. What's his name? 
that hangs oh, with oh, the... shoot. Oh, I forgot, but I know, I know, I know who you're talking about. But okay, we all know who I'm El- talking no, about. No, Elliot said it. Claude? Claude, yes. Um, Claude's cool as a character, but he was also a person before this. And I'm not sure he gave permission for his body to be um, used like this. Um, and with this idea of selling your, your breath uh, in order to get something, society... With, with just that one decision, I know everything I need to know about this society. It's instantly stratified. The, the powerful people have breasts. The, uh, the not powerful people have to learn with, live without their breaths or live in this state of constant flux of you getting and not you know, giving away your breaths. Um, and I also love the idea of hiding, using like sending your breaths to um, Venna when she sends the breath to the cloak and she can't be seen. Um, I think that's just a really cool way where she has to not only get rid of her station, get rid of her clothes, but she has to get rid of her, her being, her inner being in order to escape and really kind of learn to be a better person um, or, not, or not a better person, but definitely survive. Um, I just laid a lot on you, but that's, that's the extent of my notes. Um, thoughts, counterpoints. Hey, I have one thought that, that I've been thinking about for a little while. It's kind of to add on to what you were saying in that so Stormlight Archive, for example, if you have a bunch of Stormlight, like it's tied to their currency, right? Which is still kind of the same with breaths. But to lose all your like Stormlight stuff is to lose like your physical wealth. Whereas like if you gave up a bunch of breaths would be like to lose a state of being. And it, it made me think about how much easier it would be to be greedy with breaths, I feel like. Because it wouldn't just be giving up wealth, it would be giving up like like levels of understanding. Um and like levels of like actual physical doable like usable power, like being able to see different colors and like do all this stuff or whatever. It's like give that away even talks about stuff like perfect pitch right like i don't know just just kind of like things that you can't that money can't buy right Right. giving that up as you get or or gaining that as you gain and or lose breath um which is kind of unique i i gotta say i think this magic system is really creative really creative like to to be able to come up with this is is really impressive and i i like that it's it it makes the magic as as you guys have just been talking about more than just like a resource or a currency that you spend it's it's not just electricity it's not just you know oh i have a hundred mana and i can spend you know 12 of it to cast this spell and it, no, it's way more complicated than that because your magic is your soul it is like the abilities and the awareness that you have in the world and so to to spend it like you were saying nate is not only spending like your part of yourself you're, you're spending part of other people's selves basically in, in in doing that so it it makes for a way more complex like moral environment of like you're diving into a little bit Nate you know is it okay to use it in the ways that some of the people use it you know I I don't know I it's 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 a question we've never had to think about it in our world and it it kind of really gets you scratch your head like I don't know is that okay I like hmm I I don't know it, it it's a very very intricate 
magic system that uh, it impresses me quite a bit. This isn't going to be the first time that I bring this up, but Sanderson presents a lot of these moral questions based on this magical realm that he's created, but he'll, he'll set it up like way far in advance. It's not really applicable in Warbreaker because it's, it's just one book, but in, in Mistborn uh, is the, there's a specific one that I'm thinking of where he has this moral dilemma that's in book three that you don't realize he set up way far back in book one of this choice that um, this, this character needs to make. And I think Brandon Sanderson does a really good job of setting up a scenario that like Elliot, you were just saying like, we've never thought about that before because we don't need to, because we don't consume metal on a normal like day to day basis, or <laughs> we don't suck out the people's breath out of their, out of their spine or whatever you want to say that. Uh, Speak for yourselves. That's a normal Tuesday night. For you. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, y'all aren't consuming metal. What the heck? I always have my iron. You know, I got to keep my iron levels high and got to burn some computer. I wonder if Brandon yeah, Sanderson's ever go. gotten an angry letter from a mom. It's like, you made my 12 year old eat tin. Like, you know? yeah. <laughs> but I think Brandon Sanderson does a really good job of, like, I think his imagination is really good. But then he takes it a step further of like, okay, if I was in this situation, this really bizarre situation, what would I do? Okay, I'm going to write three books leading up to that point and take the reader to that point so that they care about this weird situation that I've come up with in my head and see what they would do. You know, like that. there's a lot of thought that goes into Brandon Sanderson's stories and situations here. Uh, and he does whole books to set up these really specific moral quandaries agreed I do like that aspect I when they make the right choice well I, the the I, tricky I, thing is is what is the right choice exactly true and, and I think that works really well in in this book where there's not quite as much other stuff going on so we can focus on that moral dilemma of the magic a little bit. I got to say, I'm glad that in the Stormlight archives, the magic system is not that. I think that that would be really hard if that was true because there's so much other stuff we're, we're focused on worrying about in Stormlight. If we also had to worry about the morality of of every time you do something magical, I think that would be really burdensome on us as readers. And there still is a little bit of that. We're still figuring out like the whole spread thing. And I think there's still, you know, elements of that that we have to worry about. But if, if we also had to wrestle with so much more complexity in, in the magic system in that realm, I think that would probably be a detriment in my mind. So I'm, I'm glad we have a little more straightforward, at least ethically magic system in, Stormlight. We'll just continue without. That. We'll just continue without my camera. Don't worry about my camera. Yeah, that's totally. That, yeah, was... Where'd he go? <laughs> we'll never know. Okay. Oh, oh, wait. Are you are you being a drab right now? Because you you lost your your video. You yes. giving away your breath. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, Should I do. Should we jump agree to? Uh, or go ahead, Paul. 
I, I, I do agree with you on that, Elliot. That, like, it would be way too much. I, I can honestly get on board with Breaths being the the coolest magic system because it is kind of the most set apart. Um, and, and honestly, like, if you look at this book as a whole, that system is probably the coolest thing about it, in my opinion. Um, because it's super unique. I've never seen anything like it. You know, like, I've seen, you know, I feel like every other one, you can kind of find similarities or, like, oh, it's not that far-fetched. But this is really, like, creative and unique. So that's probably the, the biggest highlight in my mind. So my my next favorite thing would probably be Nightblood and Vasher, because they're cool. But... Nate, did you have any more to, to say on the magic system before we go and talk about some of our favorite characters? Uh, I mean, it's, I thought I'd, I, I feel like I, I talked your ears off. Um, <laughs> I liked but, your breakdown. It was very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I do like the, the, the moral quandary of, of this. Um, and I think it's really cool how, uh, going back to the, the idea of control, uh, is with breath, you are controlling things. You are taking things that are inanimate and exerting your will or controlling over them. Um, so just, just tying it back to our, our previous discussion. Um, yeah, so it, it's all about control. just comes down to that. All right, Nate, in, your, in, the, in the notes that you added to our outline here, you said that uh, Light Song is a tad obnoxious, and I'm going to have to <laughs> disagree with you on that one because my favorite character, we'll, we'll jump into favorite characters here, my favorite character is Light Song, and it's because the the reveal that of who Light Song was before uh, he's thrust into this godhood is is really cool to me because he never feels at home in, among the gods, just kind of relaxing and doing whatever gods are supposed to do. Apparently, just sit there and be doing nothing or whatever he he doesn't he's not okay with that and he doesn't settle for that and he begun he begins to try to find a bigger purpose for himself which is really a, a really cool trait and he eventually does find it which is very rewarding as a reader uh that he that he finds that so i'm, I'm a big fan of light song he's my he's my favorite Uh, my favorite character, I think I, I mentioned it before, was uh, was Vivenna, um, just because of the the journey that she goes on, um, and she also ends in a really really cool, complex, interesting place um, where she has to fight internally with herself of what she does with these breaths um, that she considers heretical, she considers blasphemous, but she is totally invested in them now. Um, yeah. So that's the Ven is mine. Uh, Elliot, what's who did you pick? So I actually went a slightly different direction, and I actually picked Larimar as my my favorite character. I I couldn't really pick any of our of our main characters really. They they all have their 
their pros and their their cons elements i i like about them and i i definitely enjoy their journeys we've talked about that in on various characters already but i think honestly the the character i like the most is larimar simply because of his devotion to light song and just that that whole element of his character i think i talked about this a little bit already of how he, how much he believes in light song and getting to watch that is really inspiring for me to to watch light song who doesn't believe in himself but he has his you know closest friend who turns out to actually be his brother who fully believes in him kind of on the outside and that just that belief propels him to be able to do what he is meant to do even though he didn't really believe it himself and i think that just on top of the I think the banter between Light Song and Laramar is is fantastic through a lot of it. I think some of my favorite scenes are, you know, Light Song adamant that he's not a god and Laramar completely sure that he is a god and some of that just dialogue is is the best. So Laramar was my my homie. I don't understand that. He's kind of like the sidekick almost, but like the yeah. sensible one, you know. Um one brief step back, I wanted to talk a little bit about Vivenna. I feel like I haven't given Vivenna any credit throughout her story. And I'm not going to give that much credit, but I did think at the very ending, <laughs> it was super cool. So, so there's nothing wrong with Vivenna. There's nothing wrong with Vivenna's story, to preface that. Um, but I think my favorite Vivenna moment was at the very end. I believe it's whenever she sees Siri, her hair turns like bright gold or yellow or whatever it is to like express joy. And I thought that was actually really cool because she's always shown as like being having excellent control over her hair, but it kind of really conveyed that like inexplicable like joy and uh, the inexplicable emotion she felt. I just thought that was really cool, like a, a well written like little part there to kind of express that uh, that emotion at the end of the the book. Um, so that's like a neat little Vivenna moment. Um, for my favorite character. They're both their own independent characters, but I lumped them in together, uh, being Vasher and, and Nightblood. Um, I wanted to just put Nightblood, but then I also wanted to just put Vasher, so I'm cheating and putting both. Um, I think specifically the dynamic between the two is what makes it really, really cool, or what makes each of them really cool. Because, like we've said before, Vasher is kind of this, like, strider aragorn like character he's kind of like behind the scenes kind of concealing his true identity or his like godlike identity um he, he is different in that he's he's not a particularly nice guy like outwardly he, he's not very nice to vavena or anything like that but he does like know what's best and he does what's best like he does the right thing um I, I like in my mind I just kind of have this thought that he's just like kind of over being cordial with people and stuff and just kind of gets down to business. Um and then Nightblood who I didn't want to put as my standalone favorite character because I feel like he's not quite deep enough and I say that because we talked about this before like is he going to be is Nightblood a shard blade or is Nightblood just a sword that's filled with a ton of like a million breaths you know um and i think he he is just filled with breaths and so i feel like that kind of like lowered his like lowered him a little bit on the like 
like sprints seem to be pretty free thinking for the most part. They almost think they don't think like a person, but they, you know, are complex. They kind of have emotions, I guess, and I don't know, a lot of personality. Whereas Nightblood is more simplified. He's like, let's kill evil. Let's kill evil on autopilot. Same energy as the I am a stick. I am a stick. You know, I could be a sword that kills evil rather than being a stick. Um, but his whole, like, like he needs Vasher to, like, balance him out. Or, or Vasher's, like, one of the few people who could probably, like, wield him. One, because of amount of breaths it takes to wield Nightblood. And two, like, if you let Nightblood in control, then, like, I think good things would not happen. So it kind of has to be reeled in a bit. Um, but I thought they were super exciting. And I would say throughout the story, it was the most consistent character in my mind of, like, being cool and mysterious and entertaining. Um, but also the other... I don't want to say he's my favorite because the other storylines let me down, but that's kind of the case, almost. Uh, and I, I honestly feel a little bit sad saying that because it's not entirely true. Because Vasher was definitely a front runner the whole time. Um, but... Yes, he's very cool, and I really liked the reveal at the end of him being one of the five scribes and a, a god and all that. Um, that was more surprising to me than I would say most of the reveals or the other reveals in the book. All right, question for you guys. Uh, I want a one-word answer from each of you, and then we'll we'll talk about it a little bit further. Is the book too long? Nate first. No. Elliot. Yes. Paul. Whenever you asked, I was just gonna be like, "Ugh, Doug, ask me last," and I was asked last, and I still don't know. I'm gonna say no. I I, I was leaning towards no, and I I'm gonna stick with it. I I say yes. So I'm going to throw it to. Uh, I'm not to throw it to Paul first. You don't know what. You, you, I'm, Elliot, I'm torn. I'm torn. Elliot seems the most most opinionated here, so I'll throw it to Elliot first. Yes, I think the book is too long. I think that in the case of like Wave Kings, Words of Radiance, the the length of the of the book is part of the journey. It, there, it's it's long and it's long on on purpose. It's meant to be that way. You need to be that invested in your characters. You need to know what they've been through for it to matter. In Warbreaker, now I'll I'll, I'll definitely acknowledge that Warbreaker is half the length of of a Way of Kings or a, a Words of Radiance. I think it's still a little too long. I think that there were there were sections where I, I guess I'll say I I felt like that was not the point of this story. I did not need to be as invested in all of the nitty-gritty details of these characters like I need to be with Kaladin and I need to be with with Shallan. And I, I felt like the journey that our characters went on, I think I still could have appreciated that with less of the in-between details. Um, I think probably Siri being the standout one, I think there were a lot of Siri chapters that I feel like didn't develop a whole lot of stuff going on you know i think there was a lot of light song chapters that felt a bit um 
not necessary maybe. And I, I enjoyed them. I, I still enjoyed all of the, the chapters that I read, but I think it dragged a little bit for what it was. I think, I think Sanderson could have accomplished the same thing in fewer pages. I want to chime in very shortly and say that the book didn't feel too long to me, but I, I can agree that there's a lot of stuff that I, I don't think it needed to be in the book in order to get the same effect at the end. And I, uh, Trevor's not going to like this, but I think Light Song is the biggest culprit there. I honestly think you could introduce Light Song like, in chapter like 35 and get the same effect. Like You could introduce him pretty late and have him still be the sacrifice to save Cisebron. Rather than like his 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 storyline leading up to that point, I feel like was not impactful. It was just like, oh, haha, funny, funny guy. Like I don't know, I didn't think it was that good or that impactful. So that's that would have been my first thing to be like, okay, you could cut this out. So, anyways, I I will say on on Light Song, the reason I found him just a tad annoying um, is it's tough to do a character who doesn't want anything. Um, that's, that's kind of a, a rough thing to accomplish. Um, the, the mystery of him striving to figure out what is, you know, what he wants that evolves throughout the book and it, it's better. Um, I definitely, the, the part that I, I love light song the most is when he's juggling is I, apparently I'm good on juggling, not good at pottery. Um, that, that was, <laughs> that was peak light yeah. song for me. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely some of his his early chapters I felt like didn't really move the story forward or didn't accomplish his journey much. Um, but I'm going to say that no, Warbreaker is a tad too short, and specifically the ending. Um, I put in in the notes that I would have loved a check in on Idris because um, they what happened with the army. Uh, Sanderson did um, confirm that the uh, the the big army that uh, Suzbron sent. Um, did stop that army with a, just a couple casualties and they were marching on their way back. Um, but I would have loved to read that in the book <laughs> and, not, and not have to track it down via uh, a word of, of Brandon. Um, other than that, I, I thought that the, the stories, um, the characters themselves were there. Uh, and then I, I also theorized that like maybe the, the gods with Light Song was almost intentional. Because we're kind of setting the point that they don't really do anything all their lives. <laughs> yeah. um, all their days are just filled with games and talking endlessly about stuff, but not actually doing anything with it and kind of putting us in that mindset. It might be a cop out as like it was bad because it was supposed to be bad. Um, but, you know, whatever, whatever it ends up. I really agree with the ending there because it's like, okay, so the, the book is Warbreaker. We didn't get to see the war be broken at the end with the, the like, stone yeah, men going it, it in and everything. Off, kind of, yeah, yeah, it happened off page, the, the war breaker, yeah. the, war, the breaking of the war. Yeah. I will say that the the ending of the book is the, the strong suit for the, for the book, along with the majority of Sanderson books, that the, the beginning of the book does not really do it for me. I enjoy the light song uh journey specifically um but that's specifically because of the ending and how light song ends his uh ends his journey it's really a really good definitely the highlight of the book for me so and one one last thing i want to say about the length of it is 
back to what Elliot was saying, and I I agree, and I I've always I've been in this mindset of like looking at every little detail and every little thing that happens as important because it's going to come up later. Every little world building tool and things like that important because it's going to come back later. I had some complaints when we were starting The Way of Kings that it was too long. There were too many Shalon chapters that I deemed unimportant. If we want to think back to that. Um, and it ended up like we were able to look back and be like, oh, haha, you said that was unimportant. We'll look at it now. Look at this information we learned then. And it's being applied now. And I feel like we're not really going to have that. Unless there's a word breaker too and there's more significant stuff. But I'm gonna. I'm just gonna make the the jump that a lot of the details and stuff weren't aren't important, or aren't going to come back to be super important. So I'll reveal my um, my digging around the wiki. Uh, Sanderson has said that he the next book, if there was was to be a next book, it's kind of shifted down the list of priorities. Would be called Nightblood, uh, and it would follow Vivenna and Vasher as they go. Um, do the thing that they talked about at the end of this book where they were going to go fight the, the twin um, civilizations, uh, which I was like, okay, sign me up, please. <laughs> More of them running around, learning to master breaths with Nightblood. I am in. Um, and he, he may come back to that. He may not. We'll see. Uh, I mean, he might just drag those characters into, into Stormlight. So we'll see how that goes. Question for you guys on that real quick, actually. Did you guys get a vibe at the end that Vivenna and Vasher are headed towards something romantic? Question. I hate this question. So, good question because the couple I'm name. Followed up with the second one. So I, I. I know you're wondering about this. What the couple name is for Viv- for Vivenna and Vasher is. <laughs> uh, so Vivasher. It is Vivasher. So there, there you go. That's your couple name. For for this couple. So so yes, is that the consensus? Yes, there's some romantic you are, something going on there. You're not you're not alone. Absolutely not. That a lot of people assume that there's romance there. Okay, so question two. Aren't they related? And I, I ask this because in our reveal there at the end, there's mention about how the the royal blood that the the family in Idris has, so Vivenna with like her hair color, comes from the returned blood that was started by the original God King, who is Vasher. So isn't Vivenna his descendant? I think Vasher's the whole secret deal was was the thing that I was had the most questions about that I assume will yeah. be touched on on later. Um, so I, I give a big old shrug. <laughs> I guess maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. I I don't actually know. Off the top of my head, and and this may be one of those like Aragorn and Arwen things where they're related to. It's just like. 37 generations apart <laughs> so it's fine and, and and that's kind of maybe the same thing here where yeah vasher's like you know 500 years old and and vivenna's 24 or whatever she is so it's it's fine but i, I finished the book and i had to pause like wait a second 
isn't she his descendant? That just got weird. But yeah, maybe that'll be part of Warbreaker 2. Yeah, that's that's fair. I agree. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> All right, do we have any favorite any favorite quotes, any favorite moments from from Warbreaker? I love the part where uh, Light Song writes out the conversation that he and Blush Reaver are going to have. Just hands her the script and just yep. read through that. Okay, we got that out of the way. Now let's move forward. I enjoyed that very much. I I had tagged one quote, but honestly, I don't I don't even know if I want to pull it up in in the interest of time here because because honestly, there were not very many quotables in this book. To be honest, that there were lots of good little quips. Lots of good, funny little, you know, one-liners, but they don't really make sense as quotes. Like when you take them out of contents, it, it, it loses something. You know, where, whereas Wave Kings and, and Words of Radiance have those good little like speech moments that you can kind of pull out a, you know, put this on a throw pillow and it's awesome. Right. I, there weren't really that many of those, if if any, in this book. I I felt like that uh, all the like good moments I could think of that I wanted to quote are like four pages long. And you can't really pull out like a one quotable bit out of it. So there's there's segments that I really like. I really like Vivena's like identity crisis that she goes through as she's figuring out that she's not who she thinks she was. I love all the Light Song and Laramar dialogues, but I don't know. I, I, not a lot of quotes actually. Yeah, I, I would say I have specific moments I I liked right. in the book, but not specific quotes off the top of my head. I guess my one of my specific moments is whenever Vivenna and Sebron. Sorry, no, that that would have been a story, a plot twist. Uh, <laughs> when Siri and Sebron begin to communicate with each other, um, and we kind of find out that Sebron's almost like a child. In like, I don't know. I thought that was really like partly funny and partly like really interesting, and that kind of tied into the whole like. Okay, there's got to be something going on behind the scenes here. Thing like what's going on? Finding out that this is Sebron is like got the the world understanding of like a seven year old. There was a, there's a very specific Larimar, uh, light song quote i think it's light song talking to Laramar, but i couldn't find it um i was looking for it and i couldn't find it before um but he's it's something about like what it actually means to be a god and um it's something along those lines i don't i didn't know where it was though to bring it up all righty we are a stormlight podcast this was not a Stormlight book. How? Give me your craziest theories on how and why we can tie this to Stormlight. Um, it, Paul might have topped us from the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we want craziest theories. I think I've been there. But I can, I can, I'll think for a second. I can come up with something good. I'll. I'll start us off then while you're thinking, Paul. Uh, I'm going to go on record. I think Zyle is Vasher. And 
I have two reasons for this. One, just the the vibe I the character vibe I get from the two of them is the same. Like that snarky I'm a good character, but I don't really care about any of you kind of, you know, type of thing where he's you can rely on him. If you need him for something, he's going to do it. But he's not going to be very nice to you the the whole time while he, you know, you're doing it. I I got that same sort of kind of flavor off of both of them. And then two, I think we've actually mentioned this before. We might have mentioned this earlier in one of our Warbreaker episodes. In I think it's an interlude with Zyle in Words of Radiance. Zyle mentions this voice that he's used to hearing that he no longer does. And my initial thought when we read that in, in Words of Radiance was Spren. I thought he was a surge binder or he used to be a surge binder and he no longer is somehow. He's used to you know having conversations with his Spren. He no longer is. Now, though, I'm wondering if that voice was Nightblood. I'm wondering if he's thinking he's so used to having Nightblood constantly chattering at him, which we've seen Nightblood do. Nightblood kind of likes to talk. And so maybe he he used to have Nightblood at some point could line up that he was or is Vasher. I think that's a, that's a very reasonable one, and I want to make two comments on it. One, assuming that's true, I think that's extremely awesome because whenever I think of Zyle, if we didn't make these comparisons, I would consider Zyle a pretty minor character. Yep. Like He gets some dialogue... But you kind of think of him as just the one to, like, uh, I don't know, teaches the guys, the, the bridge men, how to use a shard blade. Just kind of the, like, head general there, but nothing past that. But that would be a really cool way to tie him into being, a, like, a really big deal. Um, I think that's super, super cool. Two, I think that would kind of explain... So, hypothetically, if that's the case, then I would say... Vasher brings Nightblood over to Roshar and then somehow loses him to the Skybreaker guy. Yeah. Um yeah. my my other one of my bold predictions, which I could very easily be debunked, I think, is Vasher is the Skybreaker Herald. Mm. But I don't think that's it. But I thought about that. That was like just an instant reach. Uh, I will say on a, a very slight spoiler, uh, you will be seeing the Skybreaker Herald very soon. Very exciting. Sooner sooner than you might wish to see him. Let's go. We need to keep this Nate guy around. We can get a lot more out of him. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He's, he's a lot nicer than Trevor. I, I gave he's... you some stuff last Trevor's week. Did... You yes, did. and how long have we waited? A year? <laughs> a year. Oh, literally a year. One One year. We've had like I, an hour with Nate, and he's already helped us I, out. I, I enjoy teasing things out. <laughs> Isn't it fun, Nate? Isn't it? Oh, it's it's so fun. Oh, yeah. It's not that so, fun. Okay. It's not that <laughs> well, fun. just wait. <laughs> it's, it's lovely. All right. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna tease something else here and see if I can get reactions from you guys. We have had brief... Easter eggs, maybe, of breaths on Roshar. And I've mentioned one before. Hoyd 
talks about having breath to Kaladin and Cal. I mean, it goes way over Kaladin's head. He doesn't understand what's like, he doesn't even process what Hoyt just said, but everything goes over Kaladin's head. <laughs> let's, just, let's just be real. Even bridges. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> um, how do breaths work on Roshar? How does investiture a interact with investiture B? What, what, what are y'all's thoughts on Cosmere versus Cosmere interaction here? This is my number one question coming out of this book now is how the heck do breaths work elsewhere? And yeah, I honestly have no idea. I have no idea because I would think if breaths work the same way on Roshar as they do here, uh, characters would have noticed that by now because if if someone wa- is walking around with a thousand breaths, it, you can visibly see it. They, right. they walk past things and the colors change. And so if Hoyd walks into the room and the colors all get brighter, a, a lot of stuff goes over Kaladin's head, but Kaladin's probably going to notice that, right? right? And so s- something has to be different it's whether it's completely different and like breaths don't matter on roshar maybe but that seems to contradict what you're kind of hinting at trevor that it seems like hoy does have some of these heightenings at least maybe the abilities from them so yeah i don't know i really don't know similar but not quite do you guys think that everybody on roshar has one breath or zero or does it matter i was thinking about this i don't think it matters i think that if you come from breathland right <laughs> if you come from breathland to roshar that's that's the new name of the planet yep. yes breath breath if you come from breathland to 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 lightland right light light stormlight land um like maybe you internally have the understanding. So, so I'm assuming the thing Trevor was alluding to was we talked about it before. Hoyd kind of references having like perfect pitch at one point, which we've established we had established as like a heightening thing. Um, and with that, it'd be like something that Hoyd himself has. But I'm assuming, yeah, I'm assuming if like Sasebron or someone went to Roshar, he wouldn't just be like glowing or beaming or and stuff like that. I'm also assuming that people on Roshar don't have a breath and that that doesn't matter. That's not like what makes your humanity. Uh, just because I'm feeling, I, I feel like that would be way too big of a deal to put into Roshar because then it's like the whole, okay, breaths are a thing. Insert ethical dilemma that Elliot mentioned before about being a problem for the story, like being making it too like difficult almost. Um, so I don't think... It's like a thing. I think you could go and maybe have a different level of understanding or perfect pitch or seeing colors even or like stuff like that. Um, but I don't imagine that it would work. The same way that we don't really see Spren in in Breathland. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm assuming like you can go and maybe know about it yourself, but like you can't like use your breaths really, maybe. Real quick, I have a, a a word of Brandon. Um, he described breaths as um, as kind of above what normal human souls have. Um, so 
probably not those at Rochar are not going to, are going to have breaths. Um, they they have like a little bit brighter than our soul. And then when you go drab, you go a little bit below our soul or our, an, an earth like, um, existence uh, or being. Um, so yeah, I mean, like these are the things you learn from trolling the wiki. Uh, <laughs> copper mind is, is a wonderful, wonderful resource. Yes, it is. Unless you're deathly afraid of spoilers, in which case you uh, have to steer well clear. Yeah, you can, unless you're not allowed. You can be fairly unique, but there there are things that I have spoiled for myself uh, researching. I went, oh, oh man. And then, <laughs> then you have to do the thing where you're like, forget I read that, forget I read that, forget. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're good. Yeah. Paul, as, as you were talking, I was actually formulating a bit of an idea on this, these breath, this breath thing on Roshar. I wonder if perhaps breaths are a thing on Roshar. Like people can have different levels of breath, but they don't interact with the world in the same way they do in Breathland. What what was the Nal this Nalthis, thank you. Yeah, um but but what if like when you when you leave Nalthis or when you enter Roshar, kind of the breath that you have is kind of just like locked in for a little bit like it's not a spendable resource on Rashar. it's it's something you can have it's something that maybe everyone has and it can still bestow those heightenings but maybe it's not it, it doesn't interact with the roshar world the way like stormlight does and so like hoyd can have a lot of breaths but it just doesn't really mean much he can't spend it on Rashar. he can't awaken things he just maybe still has the abilities perhaps i don't know just brainstorming it's uh, so y'all are gonna hate me for this. We already do. Feed, food for thought. <laughs> How do shard blades interact with people? You severed they the soul. Cut their right? soul. Correct. Mm -hmm. How did shard blades react with Kaladin? Screaming, right? The, yes. He, yeah. But he's been cut by one. When he was, yeah, when he was cut, he lost his arm or whatever, right? Or was just cut uh, by. He grew it back. It was, and he it grew was it just, back. Yeah. Using via stormlight. Mm -hmm. Let's keep that in mind yeah. when you're you're thinking about breaths on Roshar of, and specifically how does. Uh, shard blades interact with with the human the human body as opposed to something inanimate just food. So i I, knew, I told you you'd hate me paul i'm sorry no i don't hate you i don't know that i fully understand i'll be honest so so this means that i'm getting two things and i think i'm very 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 wrong on both i can't tell if you're trying to say that Kaladin has some external power, a.k.a. maybe he has a lot of breaths and a big heightening or something like that, that he's kind of above. Like that, right? Because if that's the case, then it's obvious that Kaladin is a Sebron. But <laughs> anyways... <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. But the, the other side of that is like... I mean, I would chalk it up to be like, oh, he has Syl who gives him some kind of special sprint protection and um we don't need to worry about breaths paul so. i i think this is clearly a, a red herring that has been uh thrown in front of us so i think I we just need to anything. ignore our uh facetious host 
I think so. He did give away the the detail that that Kaladin is Sebron. Yeah, which sorry. Is cool. <laughs> but yes, you're right. Like it's not it's not that deep. Like like that doesn't impact the story having Sebron as Kaladin. <laughs> but I'm glad I didn't ruin anything for yeah. you. But okay, good. good. Yeah. Thank you for catching that, Elliot. Because I would have ran down that rabbit trail. <laughs> um, so. Nice try, Trevor. Nice try. You know, you gotta you gotta throw some some random ones out there. You know. So, uh, Elliot, you're you have a question on here. How does a person think travel from the world of Warbreaker to Roshar? Um, I will tell you the answer is not in this book. Uh, I believe I, I found the answer it. in Elantris or Elantris, Trevor. If you can confirm that, there's there was a a, a thing added that kind of directly shows how they travel so yeah so the answer is in elantris but the okay. answer is also in mistborn oh um okay. mistborn secret history which is between era one and era two it's a, it's a novella mm-hmm. um so there's... and i was told not to read that until i read era one or until i finish era one correct cool 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 if if you asked me what my guess was going to be, I was going to assume it was on the same tier as the Oathgate, something like that. Mm-hmm. That it's some kind of portal you put your shard blade in, or your breaths in, or insert magic system here, and hmm. you travel to other. You travel from Breathland to Lightland to Airland, where you write in the air. Yep. Um, all the different. To, well, to, to stone land, to to, to metal land, yeah. sand land with and um, metal land, yeah. How, yes, exactly. However, if you are smart, there is enough in Oathbringer for you to figure it out. There, there is enough there where you can put two and two together and figure out how to get to Roshar from Nalthus. Good thing I'm super in, smart. <laughs> there are even some pieces in Words of Radiance as well. Oh sure, um, yeah. you just don't have the context for it. Right. Yeah. You, you see that and go, oh, okay. So keep that in mind. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> I, I will say also, so so the only other comment I want to make about breaths being in Roshar is I imagine if we went back and reread what we've read so far, maybe we would see something. Like, like yeah. It's probably something that's very subtle because it uses the word breath and like that hasn't been any kind of notable thing for us up to now. But I, I could easily see, I don't know, like Yasna, Hoid, I don't know, characters like that referring to breaths and it just going over Terevangian maybe. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I, I agree. I, mm-hmm. I I've actually I've I've done this already. There's been times I've been maybe going back been like, and like looking through no, Way of Kings for like some notes and stuff and I, I read a sense like, whoa, that means completely different thing to me now that I've read, you know, Words of Radiance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I th- I bet you're absolutely right, Paul. If we were to if we were to go back and read what we've already read in Stormlight now, there might be some things we would notice. Any predictions before we go into Edge Dancer next week and Oathbringer after that? I I already threw out my my one prediction, and that was that uh, Zyle is is Vasher. That's the one I'm uh, I'm sticking to. I think beyond that, I I'll just uh, stick with my my predictions coming out of of Words of Radiance for going into uh, Oathbreaker. So nothing or Oathbringer, 
Uh, nothing too uh, new for me. Are we going to see anybody else besides Nightblood and possibly Basher? This was one of the things spoiled to me. Uh, uh-huh. The the identity. Oid. Uh, yes. yes I, I correct. Read, oh no! We're gonna see Hoyt again. We'll see. I think. I think we will see not Denth, but his his little companion Tonk Tonkfa. Was he killed? Did I miss that? He was not. I think we'll see Tonk. I think we'll see Tonkfa. I believe he'll he be like. I believe he ran off. Away. Yeah. Yes. I think we're gonna see Tonk yeah. fall, and he's gonna be one of the. Uh, goodness, it's been a while. What's the whole criminal organization that Shalom is trying to? The Ghostbloods. Ghost, Ghost the Ghostbloods. Yeah, he's gonna be like a Ghostbloods guy. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that. Okay. Someone you wouldn't fully suspect, but has been around, you know. So. Alrighty, with with that. We shall conclude our Warbreaker stint. Next week, we'll be heading back to Edge Dancer and back to Roshar. We'll be doing the entirety of Edge Dancer next week, and we'll doing be doing we'll be starting Oathbringer. After that, thank you for joining me, as always, Paul and Elliot, and thank you for joining me on this episode, Nate. It's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to be here. I felt welcomed, even with the technical problems. Uh, see if you can spot them all, audience. <laughs> yeah, we had a plethora tonight. Farewell. Bye bye. Happy reading, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>